was reflecting on this idea of thinking about Christmas gifts. And I, I thought it would be cool. I just don't have enough time. At 5 o'clock service, Pastor Chris does a neat thing. It's, a, it's just a part of that service. We started a new service at 5 o'clock in our prayer chapel. And uh, he just poses a question and then has everybody talk, which I grew up Lutheran, so that makes me very uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. uh, but seriously, it's, I think it's a great, great idea. But let me have you just think about this in your mind, because it would be cool for me to say, turn around and say to somebody, what's the best Christmas gift you ever got? And so don't do that, because otherwise kids will miss their bedtimes. So, um, but you can think on that, a great Christmas gift you got. And I'm going to share one that, that, that happened for me. When I was in uh, fifth grade, I made the basketball team, in the, but I, and it was all made of middle schoolers. I was the only fifth grader that got to play on the team. So big deal, big deal for me. I was big deal, fifth grade. And in those days, in those ancient stories, when they had just invented rubber, I got a pair of sneakers, and they were Pumas. And they still make Pumas, but back then, the New York Knicks were really great, and Walt Frazier was really great, and he was the, the guy, the famous all-star basketball player that wore Pumas. They, in fact, named him after him. They were called Clydes. That was his nickname. And I got a pair. And my parents both worked for the church. They didn't have lots of money. I didn't know that as a kid growing up, really. And they bought me these pair of sneakers. And my mom said to me, you got to wait for basketball season to wear those. So it was, like, it was like a week to go. It was like a week to go. And, you know, basketball season is like now, kind of, right? November and early December. And I couldn't help myself. And I wore those sneakers, and I wore them outside, and we played football, and they got trashed. And I was supposed to only wear them for basketball and on the court, you know, all of that. And I came home, and I hid them under the bed, thinking my mother would never find them. So she did find them, and, and I was punished and, you know, disciplined. Not, it wasn't horrible, but it felt horrible. And she said, you're going to have to wear your old sneakers to basketball. Now you're going to have to wear your old sneakers. So the basketball season started right after Christmas, right, right when we got back from school. That was when basketball started for us, for the boys. And, uh, and so I was just kind of really down and depressed. But on Christmas Day, my mom had gone out and bought another pair of those sneakers for me. So she gave me those. That was a great present, wasn't it? That was a great present. <coughs> Excuse me, I'll never forget it. So if you think in your mind some of those great, great gifts that you get at Christmas, and isn't it wonderful that it is a season of gifts? And, you know, we say always those things, and of course we have to say it. We have greater gifts than that that we're given. And Jesus, when he begins his ministry, right at the very beginning, he's at his hometown, and in his hometown, where he grew up as a little boy, who probably got in trouble, not, you know, not in bad trouble, like because he didn't sin or do bad things, but he's a kid, right? And so um, then he comes as a rabbi, and he comes to the synagogue, and he reads these words. And so he's quoting Isaiah. He had opened the scroll of Isaiah, and he read, but he stops at a certain point. And that's what I want to talk to you about here for a minute. Jesus says this in Luke chapter 4, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Stop there. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him and he began by saying to them, Today... 
this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. That's a start, isn't it? That's a launch to a ministry. Here's, um, so now, forgive me, I, I squirrel a lot. I love this story from Scripture, Mark chapter 2. In Mark chapter 2, and if you've watched The Chosen, they, they portray this in that TV series. And Jesus comes to his hometown, and he's very famous at this point. He's done some miracles, big thought following. So they get wind of him coming. And so he goes to someone's house to talk. He's going to give a talk. And the crowds just rush in so full that no one could get in there. Well, along the way, there's these guys who say, Jesus is coming. we got to go get Bill. Bill's been paralyzed for many, many years. Can't walk, can't do that. So they run and they go get Bill, but they had to go get him so they have no room at the spot when they get there. And so it's just cramped. So what do you do? What do you do? we got to show him to Jesus because Jesus could heal our friend. And so, of course, we know, many of you know the story. They climb up on the top of the roof, and Jewish homes were like mud and palm branches, you know, kind of branches and stuff. They dig through the roof. That's what it says. If you were the homeowner, can you imagine that? What's going on? Anyway, they dig, they bust this hole in the roof, and they lower their buddy down. And it's just, I love this. I love this. It's, and it's complicated. We've talked for a long time. Don't worry, I won't. Lowers him down. Jesus says, it says in there, when Jesus saw the faith of the guy's buddies, how much they loved him, right? How much faith they had that Jesus would heal him. He said to the man on the bed, now what do you think? Right? If you're making this story up, what does he say to him? Now, you know, those of you that know the story, don't say. What would you say, right? They lowered him down. When he saw the faith of the friends, he said to the man, this is what you expect, right? You're healed. Get up and walk home. Wouldn't that have been the best gift? Wouldn't that have been a great gift? Wouldn't that have been phenomenal? Change your life. Change your life forever. You're healed. I've been paralyzed for years and years. Jesus healed me and I can walk. But Jesus gave him the greater gift. And he said to him, your sins are forgiven. And that ticked everyone off in the room. Because they go, who does this guy think he is? God or something? You know, who does he think he is? Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus, knowing what they were thinking, says, hey, I hear what you're saying. What's easier, to say, this, to say to this guy, your sins are forgiven, or take your mat and walk home? Well, of course it's easier to say forgive your sins because you can't check, right? But if I say get up and walk home and he don't, then I'm a fake. So to prove to you, Jesus says, that I have the authority to forgive sins, to give the greater gift. Get my point? To give the greater gift, I say to you, Take up your mat and go home. And he does. Here's what I wanted to share with you tonight. What Jesus is saying there is, he says, boy, a lot of the people that were in the audience that were listening to Jesus, they were longing for certain things. And you know, they, they were poor people, and they hoped that they could get some wealth. They were hungry people, and they were hoping they could get a meal. There were people that were lonely, and they hoped that they could get a friend. There were people that were struggling with truth or understanding or ignorance, and Jesus wanted to show them some light. And those are all good things. But in Christmas, when you get open those presents under the tree, when all those things happen and all those neat things that you plan, because many of you love to give gifts just as much, if not more, as you do to receive them, 
When those gifts are opened and delighted in and used, just remember that the reason we give those gifts is the greater reason. Because we have a God who comes as an infant, who is entrusted into humanity, who takes on human form so that he can give us the greater gifts. To bind the brokenhearted. To release us from slavery and bondage to sin. To give us life when all people often would think about was death. To speak truth when there's so much deception and falsehood. Jesus gives the greater gifts. And so that's why we love Advent. Because it tells us that God, God is on the move. I have one little story I'm going to read you. Because this is from the Chronicles of Narnia. <clears throat> so this is The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. If you're not familiar with it, it's cool. You can watch it for free in many, many places. But in this Chronicles of Narnia, the four little uh, children go to Narnia, and it's a land that's always winter and never Christmas. Do you remember that line in this book? It's always winter and never Christmas. And that's depressing, isn't it? We put up with winter just because there's Christmas. That's what, that's, hell yeah, that's the best part. But you know, it's interesting. So there's this white witch, and she finds out those kids are, she's after them. She's, she's after them. Because she's going to get them. Because she wants to keep power, right? She's in, she wants power. So they're on the run with a couple of beavers, talking beavers. Don't ask me how, just read the book. So they're on the run, and they're hiding out. And I hear, and the, the white witch has a sleigh, and, you know, with a dwarf that, you know, whips the reindeer and this kind of thing. So they hear this sleigh coming. They see it coming, and they hide, and they hear it coming. And then they are wondering what's happening, waiting for the witch to come and get them. And Mr. Beaver finally says, I'm going to go out and check it out. So here's what he says. Let me read you the, just a page. He says, come on, Mr. Be cried Mr. Beaver, who was almost dancing with delight. Come and see. This is a nasty knock for the witch. It looks as if her power is already crumbling. What do you mean, Mr. Beaver? Um, panted Peter as they all scrambled up the steep bank of the valley together. Didn't I tell you, answered Mr. Beaver, that she'd make it always winter and never Christmas, didn't I tell you? Well, just come and see. And then they were all at the top, and they did see. It was a sledge, and it was, and it was reindeer with bells on their harness. But they were far bigger than the witch's reindeer, and they were not white but brown. And on the sledge sat a person whom everyone knew the moment they set eyes on him. He was a huge man in a bright red robe. Who do you think it is? Santa. Bright as holly berries with a hood that had fur inside it and a great white beard that fell like a foamy waterfall over his chest. Everyone knew him because though you see people of his sort only in Narnia, you see pictures of them and hear them talked about even in our world, the world on this side of the wardrobe door. But when you really see them in Narnia, it is rather different. Some of the pictures of Father Christmas, that's how they call him in England, right? Uh, Santa Claus, Father Christmas. Some of the pictures of Father Christmas in our world make him look only funny and jolly. But now that the children actually stood looking at him, they didn't find it quite like that. He was so big and so glad and so real that they all became quite still. They felt very glad, but also solemn. I've come at last, said he. She has kept me out for a long time, but I have got in at last. Aslan is on the move. The witch's magic is weakening. This is what I love about Advent. God is on the move. And you know how you know? You know how you knew it in this book? Because Christmas showed up. And that's why we celebrate Advent. God is on the move because Christmas is coming. Let's pray. 
Gracious Lord, thanks for this evening, a chance where we hear our children sing of you and your love and your great gifts to us. I thank you, Lord, for their families who uh, encourage them and allow us to have this joy together in this time. Lord, help prepare our hearts for your coming because you're always on the move, not just now. You're always on the move to bind the brokenhearted, to give sight to the blind, to give life where there was death, and to give hope. Lord, we thank you. And we ask you, Lord, that, uh, that our preparations would honor you and bring joy and eager anticipation for the greatest of all gifts, Jesus our Savior. It's in your name we pray. Amen.